Are you ready, Mr. Simmet? I'm ready, Mr. Hecht. One across, former eBay chief Whitman. Uh, it was Meg Whitman, Meg. Four across, steal from, as in Grand Theft Auto. Carjack, carjack, seven letters. Eleven across, too big for one's britches, say. Smug. Are, are we just going through all the acrosses? How about downs, talkative ones, one down, talkative ones. Mac, macaws. Yeah, do you know how to say it? No. Macaws. Two down. I think this Lob- is enough. Was that, in, was that was about 20 seconds, right? I think it was. That, that was merit. Uh, that was our attempt at merit. We Because we got a comment we, saying that we had five, that somebody listened to it for five minutes and there was no merit. There was no merit. We had not cut to the chase. Uh, the comment, do we read the comment? Why not read the comment? So we'll read the comment. The comment was, this is my first time listening to your podcast. I like your blog, but your podcast is very annoying. You guys need to talk less. You suffer from love to listen to the sound of your own voice-itis. I'm five minutes in, and you've said absolutely nothing of merit. Cut to the chase, please. So today we decided to, to start with merit. We started with the chase. So we opened with a chase. Yes. You chased me through the across clues. And then you chased me through the down. I didn't know that love to listen to the sound of your own voice, itis, was a real disease. It is. I I guess it is. It is. Uh, I mean, we wouldn't have somebody tell us about it if it was make-believe, right? Get ready to listen to episode number 44 of Fill Me In, a cross-cramp land grab. Okay, this is episode 44? 44. 44 of a plus, pluck, floss, uh, frame, what? A cross-cramp land grab. I don't know what that is. A land grab. What's a, what's, a, okay, fine. Uh, this is not episode, this is not season two. We've decided this is not season two. This is like bonus episode. We're calling it 44. It's really a bonus to season one. Right, because the bulk of this episode is going to be taken up by an interview we did with Mr. Merle Regal. Merle Regal. We met him at the bar uh, on Saturday night. <laughs> Just at the bar. At the bar. Just like at any old bar. Uh, we met him at the bar at uh, Saturday, Saturday night. We're the, talking at the bar of the hotel where the American Crossword Puzzle That's what I was held. about to say. You have said that part. So far, but twice you, you've said you, you kept, was at the bar. And I was going to say the bar at Saturday night. You, on, no, no, no. You have to specify where the bar is. Then you can go on to what day it was. Well, I think people would have realized what day it, what the bar was when I said what day it was. Well, there's a Saturday every week. I know, but there's only one Saturday for the ACPT. You hadn't said that either. There's only one Saturday, and there's only... Well, you interrupted me. I would never do such a thing. As Jesse turned us off? I think maybe. Bye, Jesse. It was nice having you around. <laughs> uh, so, yes, we, this is not season two yet. Uh, but I think we do need to do a little bit of viewer mail. Yeah, we do have some viewer mail to By do. By the way, uh, the last time we did viewer mail, I never closed the bag. Oh, no. So the bag is open. It's still open. Right. So we're just going to launch into viewer mail, and then we'll close the bag afterwards. Okay. So no song, no nothing? Well, it's already open. Oh, this is very... uh, I'm I'm all disconcerted. Viewer mail. It's already opened up. All right, then. Uh, our first viewer mail comes from our good friend, Mike Nothnagel, pen pal extraordinaire and constructor of the Friday Puzzle. And Mike emails us to ask one question. What does a math professor have to do to get his name into a song about a math puzzle? 
There it is. I think this has to do with the Ken Ken song. The Ken Ken Can Can song. Yeah, the Ken Ken song that was performed, written and performed by uh, Amanda Yesnowitz, the unparalleled parallel verse engineer. Shining light to us all. Shining light to us all. I knew there was more. I couldn't remember (laughs) what it was. Yeah. And Amanda, of course, filled her lyrics with uh, references to a dozen or more crossword luminaries, as well as you and me, uh, (laughs) and XOP. Oh, yes, that's uh, right. But Mike Nothnagel was not included. Which and he's a math guy. He is a math guy. And it is a math puzzle. He's like our representative math guy. He is. If Fill Me In has an official math department, I think Mike should be the head of that he department. He is. We ask him all questions about prime numbers, Pythagorean squares, Punnett squares, orders of operations. And he has answered... Uh, I think only one of our questions, well, really. He, he, answers he answered them, prime numbers. He answers them three to four months later, so he's already forgotten the question. It's a, it's a nice escape route. It is. Yeah, we should try that. We should. <laughs> we do need an escape route. We definitely need an escape route. So there's a question. I think... Uh, we pose uh, that question to the listening audience, perhaps specifically to Amanda. Uh, perhaps. If anybody else has an answer, we'd love to hear your answers. So yes. send us an email, rbxblog at gmail.com. All right, uh, moving on. We also got. You're, you're reading all the emails today. Because, I am. Because we did not print them out. They're on the computer screen, and you and your microphone are blocking the computer screen from my view. Good. So I, I will be doing no reading of viewer mail today. Right, well, you can introduce this viewer mail, all can't right. you? This one is from Doug Peterson, crossword gentleman and man about town, and he says Hey, R&B, what a week. <laughs> no, Go ahead. What are you doing? Doug Peterson, crossword gentleman about town. I already said that. I'm just repeating it. At the bar. At the bar. Saturday. Saturday. You know what else happened on a Saturday? Hmm. Lollapazoola. Lollapazoola did. It happened we on have a to Saturday decide. Some people want that to be on Sunday this year. I know. So we're going to talk about that. If anybody's listening and they have a feeling about this summer, probably in August, uh, some weekend, Saturday or Sunday, a one-day crossword tournament held in Queens. Lollapazoola 2, Son of Pazoola. Which day do you prefer, Saturday or Sunday? Uh, are some of the Jewish folks who listen to the show, such as us... Yeah, they. well, we didn't request this, but some did request that we do it on a Sunday instead of a Saturday because, uh, of, the Sabbath. because of the Sabbath, and they weren't able to travel. Um, I'm just worried that since we're doing it in a church, that it won't be available on a Sunday. That's a, it's, a, it's a tough spot we're in. So if you have any feeling about Saturday versus Sunday, drop us a line and let us know. Yes. We're still in the middle of Doug Peterson's email. Is Doug, he still going on? My God. All of that, everything we just said was in Doug Peterson's email. Ridiculous. Isn't that weird that he has such an investment in Saturday versus Sunday? He, d- he does. He doesn't, He actually. might come out for Lollapazoola. That would be fantastic. He's, Doug, if you're listening, what do you like better, Saturday or Sunday? Let us know. Oh, I was waiting for him to answer. <laughs> Doug, we're going to leave a little blank space here so that you can shout out at your podcast. Doug, which do you prefer, Saturday or Sunday? <laughs> shout out at your podcast. Oh, you're not leaving him any space to talk. I'm How sorry. Is, this, this should be an interactive podcast. It should be. We should leave empty space and then answer the questions that people might ask. Wait, who's answering? <laughs> Certainly not you. Doug uh, Peterson is a Facebook friend of ours. He and, is. And he plays one of the games available on Facebook. It's called Fish Wrangler. We also play Fish Wrangler. Everybody should play Fish Wrangler. It's totally addictive, and I don't understand why, but it is. And Doug writes to us to say, I went back. This is after the ACPT was done. Uh, and I think he took some days off from fish wrangling because he was at a tournament. But he says, I went back to fish wrangler today and it just wasn't the same. Not playing for an entire weekend must have broken my addiction to the game. I know I haven't fished in the last 15 minutes and I really don't care. 
it's a little bit scary. Well, I've disabused him of that notion. I'm back to fish wrangling again, although so I, am I. I still haven't found Icelandica. Uh, I'm almost at Icelandica. You'll have to let me know what it's like when you get there. I will. Uh, we have one more viewer mail. Uh, it comes from Joanne Sullivan. Who, who, uh... Joanne Sullivan has written to us before, and of course we met her at Lollapazoola. And we met and her, we again saw her again at, at, the, uh, at the ACPT. Uh, at she, the bar. At the, <laughs> that's where we meet everybody. Yes. We're still at the bar, as we a matter are. of fact. So if you're listening, come, come down by. to the bar. <laughs> We're there having a drink. Uh, Joanne has written to us uh, to... Well, she was very kind and congratulated me on winning the E Division. Brian Simmet. Yes, I won Winner the Winner e of the E Division. Yeah, Brian Stop. Lewis Hinman Lavity Feldspar Simmet, <laughs> the 11th. <laughs> Feldspar. <laughs> Winner okay. of the E Division. Uh, so Joanne writes to us to ask, now that your brain is more smarter, she says to me, not we'll, to me. No. Now that your brain is more smarter, will Ryan have to find a new co-host? Ryan, oh, uh, when Will Shorts announced your name at the awards luncheon, the woman sitting next to me wondered if you would have to give up your blog and podcast because you're not a slow solver anymore. Uh, I thought this too. Yeah. You've I, kind of broken the whole blog. Well, I'm working at becoming um, stupider again. I, I'm trying to become less smarter. Please. So I'm, I'm, I'm eating less intelligent food. And I'm I'm trying to engage in stupid activities. Thank you. So uh, so what am I doing? I'm talking on my cell phone at the movies. I I stand in the subway door when people are trying to get on or off the train. You cross talk. I yeah I do. I also I drive too slow in the left lane. So I'm doing all these things that I I think people find generally stupid. I don't know. Is it working so far? Um, you seem a little bit stupider to me than you did last week. But I should do more. I would appreciate it. All right. Uh, You're making me look bad. So I'm going to start um, chewing while I'm on the phone. All right. How about I add that to my repertoire? Chewing doesn't make you look stupid. It makes you look busy. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. If you have any suggestions out there, viewing audience, please email us and let me know ways in which I can become stupider again. I've got to I, – I just have to lower sort of my status in life to, to meet the ground floor expectations that we've set out here on this show. <laughs> Uh, is that the end of the viewer mail? Uh, well, the last part of oh, this Oh, there's was, still more of this mail. Yeah, Joanne also wants to know, Ryan, did you ever explain what those words in your countdown to the tournament meant? Now, I have to clarify something. Would you please? It was not a countdown to the tournament. It was a countdown before the tournament. Okay, well, you only got through three. Well, it's not done yet. Well, but the tournament is. Well, it had nothing to do with the tournament. That may be so, but if it was a countdown before the tournament, we are no longer well, before the tournament. It was a countdown that started before the tournament. See, I think you're changing this all sort of in the middle. I, I think you've led our viewers on, and now you've abandoned them to go your own random route. No, I have not. You Really? You have not? No. So you're saying there's nothing random about your countdown? No. So your countdown that was, what did it start with? Grapes and then aluminum? And crouching. And crouching. Those were items 14, 13, and 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not random. No. So you're going to get to the end of this eventually, and we're all going to have a big aha moment when we understand your theme? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> That's wonderful. Would you close up the viewer mailbag for us, Ryan? Did you want to know what number 11 is? Close up the viewer mailbag before we forget. Viewer mail. Closing it up. And now, if you'd like to tell us number 11, or do you want to save number 11 until after our interview? I can do number 11 now. All right, do number 11 now. Number 11, right angles. All right, right angles. Can you do that fanfare on the 
Wow, that was brilliant. The volume is turned way down on the piano. I don't know if we could hear that. Could we hear that one? All right, so uh, without much further ado, I'm sure there will be a little bit of ado further on, but without much further ado, we're going to hand this over to Merle Regal and us from a week ago when you were more smarter. I was. Well, I was on the verge of being more smarter. This was, of course, Saturday night. Uh, where, where did this take let's, place? Let's set the scene. Okay, let's. Saturday night. At the bar. At the ACPT. With the rope. In the den. <laughs> we're at the bar and in the den? Oh, wait. We already oh, set the place. Oh, we screwed that up. All right. With the legendary. Can I say legendary? I think he's a legend. The legendary crossword constructor... Simpsons star, uh, Florida resident, Florida resident, announcer of the B and A finals. We've already said who he is, so all of this is no real, you know, pomp and flair. Because well, it's still pomp and flair. Is it really? I think it's pomp and flair. All right, it's Pompey. Great. Say uh, his name then. Who? 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 Anyone? Say anyone's name. Uh, Merle Regal. <laughs> Just random. <laughs> what a coincidence, <laughs> because here we have an interview with someone with that name. And here it is. You definitely have a style. You have a niche. And how, how, when did you realize that that was going to be your, your niche, the Sunday-style, punny kind of style? Uh, well, I, when I started out, uh, I, was, I think I sold my first puzzle to the New York Times when I was 16. At the time, I might have been like the youngest ever. This was in 1966. And I sent three puzzles to Margaret Farrer, who was the editor at the time. And she sent me back this great letter, which I still have. Which she, two of the puzzles, and one puzzle I had, dead as a doornail and rotten in Denmark in the same puzzle. She said, not the cheeriest terms in the world. <laughs> uh, another puzzle had like edema and rail, R-A-L-E, which is the death rattle. She said, also... Not on the cheery side. But the third puzzle accidentally had nothing wrong with it. It actually had um, triple 15s down the middle and a single 15 across the center, which she had never even seen before, let alone from a 16-year-old. And I was a show-off anyway. You know, I was always trying to use very few black squares and have wide-open middles. And, and so this was a pretty hairy puzzle that um, she really said, this one, this is, she called it a tour de force. And so she published that one. That was my first one. But she, the letter that she sent me with all this in it said, um, what you have to remember is that crossword puzzles are an entertainment, admittedly a brainy one, but um, they should be entertaining first, and then they can be you know, challenging or educational second and third, but they've got to be entertaining first. The subway solver does not want to read about death, disease, war, and taxes. The crossword is supposed to be a respite from all that realistic crap, you know. And so that's why it should have a high entertainment value. If you want to do puns or, you know, wordplay of any sort or clever clues or tricky clues or fresh clues of any sort, that's what we're after. And so to me, when she said entertainment, to me, I was always like the class cut up anyway. It meant humor to me. And I thought, okay, and most of the puzzles I'd ever solved as a kid, they weren't really funny. I mean, there's no, a funny crossword wasn't really something you saw every day. But I thought that crossword puzzles should reflect, if you were going to tell a joke to some friend of yours, why can't that be the joke in the puzzle? When I got older, and I, when we were, like, I was in my 20s uh, living in Santa Monica, 
California, I would go to cafes and restaurants and watch couples solve a crossword puzzle. He solves, she doesn't, or she solves, and he whatever the, the breakdown is. And the idea was that you should be able to solve a gag in a puzzle and laugh as a puzzle maker, a puzzle solver, but also you should be able, should be able to say this gag to your mate who hates puzzles, and they should still laugh. It should be like a real-world gag. I mean, um, you know, everybody knows who Nostradamus is, but Nostradamus <laughs> was the guy who said, you know, the future is so close I can smell it. All right. All right. All right. So, so I mean, but see, you're actually laughing. You may be groaning, but you're actually laughing. So this is actually it's all one thing it's an me, actual joke, you know. So, so, so the idea, if you're going to do humor in puzzles, do it in such a way that people will actually, like, you know, make them laugh. If that's what you're doing, if you're doing a tricky puzzle, then that's fine too. And you got to be tricky in some sort of fair way. You can't just throw any curveball you want at them. You want to, it's, they, you have, it's like Hitchcock said. There's no re- if you don't, if the if the audience doesn't know something, you can't scare them. You can only shock them. It's easy to just like do sudden jolts of things, but they should know something. So with a crossword puzzle, it's the same way. As long as they, if they know what the basic setup is, they'll appreciate getting everything a lot better. Um, so you want to you want to tip the hand kind of early on what the theme is. So you know, okay, I get it. It's it's phrases that I don't know why we say that. You know, you know why do we say rank amateur? Why is it always rank? You know, why do we say eminently doable? Why? <laughs> why is it always abundantly clear? Why the, why are these? You know, why do we say head over heels in love? I'm head over heels right now. You would think head over heels would be like. Heels overhead makes sense. You know, flipping, I'm so in love, I'm flipping with joy or something. But I'm sitting here head over heels right now. Am I sitting here in love? It's a screwy. Why do we say that? Why do we say um, back and forth? Why does back come first? But we don't, no one says forth and back. Yes, I was sitting here, you know, rocking forth and back. No, I was rocking back and forth for some reason. Anyway. These things about language, which anybody can relate to, I'm into that stuff a lot because there's people can sort of, in a way, see themselves in it, and it's, it connects more. I like puzzles that like show you something you didn't know before or make you aware of something. Why do you, you know, falling between the cracks? Well, he, he can't fall between the cracks. That's what the cracks are. You, you can fall through the cracks, but no one can fall between the cracks. What are you talking about? So, you know, it's just the things people say. And what's, uh, what, what's your background in this? Are you educated in language, or is it just sort of come naturally? And I majored in uh, what was called literature and writing. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, that's what I took at the U of a- University of Arizona. I thought I was going to be like, I, actually, I thought I was going to write screenplays or whatever it was. I was going to be a writer of some sort. I never thought I was going to be. I was making crossword puzzles in, in college. Um, I was always making crossword puzzles when I was supposed to be doing something else. All the jobs I've ever had were the kind that, where you could basically slough off most of the time and, and make puzzles instead of doing your actual work. Any chance to do a crossword puzzle, I was doing it. This is why in the 80s, was it in the 80s? Uh, one of my best friends that I grew up with is Scott Carter, who produces Real Time with Bill Maher. Um, and I knew Scott in the 80s, and he said... All the things that I thought I wanted to do, you know, everybody writes screenplays. Everybody's trying to do music. Nobody makes a crossword puzzle like you do. You should take whatever it is your, is your special thing and figure out some way to make a living at it. Because I always thought when I, I don't want to be like 80 and think, look back at my life that I make crossword puzzles for a living. Who wants to do that? But at the time, um, 
it seemed like good advice all of a sudden. You know, like if I could figure out a way to actually make a living out of crossword puzzles, that didn't mean making hundreds of them and sending them to the places where you sold all the rights. The idea was somehow get in the newspapers, where if you were syndicated, then you make one puzzle a week and 20 newspapers pay for one-time publication rights only, and you retain the rights. So I could then do books of my own stuff where I don't have to pay anybody. I own them all already. And that, of course, to do that means that you have to do, at the time, which is a crazy thing, you have to think that you can go into a newspaper and say, I know syndicates own everything. I know they charge almost no money for their, for their puzzles. But I want you to stop using theirs and use mine. And I'm going to charge you like $20 more. That was the idea. And so my better half, Marie, is the one who said, well, let's fly to Seattle and talk to the managing editor. Because Seattle had the New York Times puzzle and some lousy puzzle. And we never want to kick out the New York Times puzzle, but we would like to be that second puzzle if it's a lousy one. So let's, we, we flew up there and we talked to the managing editor and we actually cracked her up with well, my theme. I said, here are the words that your solvers have to know if you keep running the puzzle you are running. You know three-toed sloths and Malayan canoes and all that stuff, you know, but here, my puzzles have, and I've rattled off four or five themes, you know, movies that shouldn't be shown together, you know, Driving Miss Daisy nuts, you know. Um, <laughs> so, or, you know, another one was um, inappropriate Muzak for a doctor's office, you know, killing me softly, stop dragging my heart around, you know, <laughs> trying to get the feeling again. You know, I, I like, I, you know, I mean, I like, I like all those things. I just don't want to hear them when I'm in a doctor's office. So that's what the puzzles were, this is what the puzzles were like. And so the managing editor was like, she said, you know, okay, we'll try you out for four weeks and we'll let the solvers vote. We'll have two phone lines. And we said, oh, God, no, not a voting thing. All the people can just vote 90,000 times against us. But we won two to one. It amazed us. So we started in the Seattle Times. So one by one, we started getting papers based on the so-called entertainment value of the puzzle. Now, your, your book series is, is puzzles from the Examiner, isn't it? Well, it's from, it's, well, the Examiner, well, the Chronicle, for the years, for, until 2000, I was in the Examiner. Mm-hmm. But Hearst always sort of wanted to buy the Chronicle, because the Chronicle was the morning paper. And the Examiner was the evening one, even though it came out at 11 o'clock in the morning, but it's the evening paper. You know, and evening papers are sort of like, were dying like flies even in the 80s, let alone the 90s. And he managed to figure out a way how to buy the Chronicle. So Hearst bought the Chronicle in 2000. So I was there now in the Chronicle. Uh, it just sort of changed over. What it is, the basic idea is that uh, the puzzles that appear in print in newspapers um, come out in book form eight years later. So, yeah, so people are basically, okay. no matter how much I think pe- these puzzles are just completely unforgettable, people do forget what they are. So... And so the puzzles come out, and so it's like uh, it's like a whole new puzzle. I even forget. You know, this weekend, Will used a puzzle of mine on the air that I gave him last year. And he, he, told, it, he told it to me uh, yesterday, and he said, Roy, remember this puzzle about Atlas of the World and change one letter and becomes two cities that are connected? And I, I said, oh, yeah, what the hell is the answer to that? <laughs> I, had, I couldn't know what the answer was, you know. So if that's the case for me, I mean, I'm sure there are people who can't remember even what some of my best gags were eight years ago. And so I just, so right now volume 15 just came out. It's got puzzles from like 1999 and 2000. 
I'm even behind a little bit. But that's the idea, that they come yeah. out in the newspaper. I own all the rights, so then we just put it. And, and there's 52 weeks in a year. I take only 40 puzzles from each year. So they're absolutely the best ones that I've got, put them in book form eight years later. Yeah. Do, do you think about uh, shelf life when you're constructing a puzzle? Um, I do now a lot more than I did. And in San Francisco, I didn't know there was going to be this. I, have, I did a lot of puzzles in San Francisco I can't reprint. Um, and once I've... I've I've, you know, a Margaret Heckler, was she transportation secretary? I don't even remember now. But Margaret Heckler was in the cabinet. And, and I thought, well, Heckler, that's a funny name for a person. Of course, now who knows who she is, you know. Right. Um, but there are certain puzzles you can do in San Francisco because it's a pretty hip happening town that sure. I probably can't get away with in other cities. I have this general structural philosophy of crossword puzzles, and that is that people generally solve from the top down. Right. And so if I have a really great gag in this puzzle, it's last. Sure. I don't lead with it. It's last. And so people are going to eventually build up to this, you know, they'll build up to schlockrates in the bottom right hand corner, or they'll build up to uh, Ina Recliner Knock Music. That's it. <laughs> Music to relax by. Music to relax by, right? <laughs> I never recline or not music. All right, so you see, you're looking relaxed and oh, laughing. That was, so, that's great. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Um, so, but, you know, the, the, the clue almost writes itself, you know, music to relax by, you know. So, so if I'm doing, so that's recliner, that means this is a furniture gag puzzle, you know, the, the armoire sedat or something. Like that. Um, so that's full, <laughs> it's full of this stuff. And it'll be, the puzzle will be called, I don't know, what's on, I forget. Is this I'm one a, you're working on now, oh, or are you just making two, this up right uh, now? No, I've done two of these. You have, okay. I could, I've done I, a lot of your puzzles, but I don't have a very good memory, and so I, I could probably do the one I did yesterday, tomorrow, and I wouldn't remember any of the answers. Actually today. You're the perfect Who knows? person. That means oh, you can yeah, buy well. the same book next year and still enjoy it. I think I've done that before. Not with, no, with yours, I have books one through five right now. And okay. It, it, well, each is in a different location. I have a, a backpack for the subway. I have the bathroom. I have the bedroom. Well, uh, the first two... Well, all the, the I mean, there's pretty, really good puzzles in all the books. But the first two years that we did in 1991, we didn't know there was going to be more. And uh-huh. so when I was in, in the examiner from 85 to 91, the first book comes out in 91, I picked the best puzzles from those first six years oh, yeah. to put in volume one, not even knowing there was going to be a volume two. Serially Folks is one about cereal. There's one where I took the actual quotes of uh, John McEnroe, you know, and, and you know, Sure. You know, you can't be serious. You know, it was on the line. You know, and the fact that they fit into a puzzle perfectly. There's some. There's some ones that are kind of amazing. There's one called Shades of John D. McDonald. Have you ever heard of John D. McDonald? No. He was a novelist in the '60s, '70s. He wrote a lot of really famous, like grade B novels. A lot of good ones too. But he was famous for this character named Travis McGee, who was kind of a detective. Uh, lived in, like, I think, Miami someplace, and he lived on a on a houseboat called the Busted Flush. Anyway, he wrote there were a bunch, there were a bunch That's of good. greatly. He was called himself a salvage expert. He only worked when he was out of money, but it really was. A de- they were detective novels, and they were all about Florida. And, and every title of every book was had a color in it: cinnamon skin, um, a purple place for dying, the dreadful lemon sky. You know, and they were, they were all famous for having. And I always figured this is such a colorful bunch of books. I wish there was a way to get them into a. a but the lengths were all over the place. There was no symmetrical nature to them at all. They were all, and I had them in an old notebook of mine that I, for like 20 years ago, I started looking, well, I wonder if, um, how many of these are there? There were exactly 21 novels he wrote before he died. You know, Sunday puzzles are 21 squares on the side, exactly. 21 novels exactly. Okay, maybe if I just put a color on every line, and it would, then I thought, hmm, well, I wonder if the colors 
turn out to be symmetrical lengths to the point where I can actually do a trail where they stack and they form a, a continuous on top of each other trail through the puzzle oh, wow. as if he were on a he were actually on a trail and they do. on a case against all odds. There's if there's one four letter one, there's another one. If there's two four letter ones, there's oh. two other ones. If there's two one six, there's another one. There's only one odd one was turquoise, which went right in the middle. Sure. So they all lead around to this, and then the, they the stack. It's, it can't possibly happen, and it worked. Wow. You know, and when I do a talk and I I just show this on the on, on a PowerPoint, you know, it gets like the kind of gasp that 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 in wordplay when we said you know. Puzzles the same upside down and right side up. The symmetry work, the same gasp that happens in the audience when we used to watch that happens when they when this. Wow. And it's really just like noticing something. I don't. I think anybody. There's a lot of puzzle makers who could have made the puzzle this way if they had just thought to do it. It's not like it's once once you think to do it, uh, it, it then you you just do it. But these, it's more like a discovery than a regular crossword, you know. And there are a lot of a good handful of puzzles that I've thought of as discoveries more than. You know anything else, but it's like the the Simpsons one that I did for me, not the one that was in the New York Times. The fact that the famous last notes of the Simpsons theme is exactly 21 notes long. Twenty-one notes exactly. All right. So I had those notes going from the lower left up to the upper right, right. in the key of F because there's only one. That's the only key where there's only one flat. And it turned out that if one flat was an E, E flat, and it happens like right at this one point, we can actually write the word flat after it, and it fits perfectly. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, who, could, who, could, who would know, wow. you know? And Brilliant. so it's, like, it's just like think, just letting, you know, when I, people say, you know, you stack entries sometimes. You know, you have stacked theme answers. I said, yeah, because I try it every time. Nine out of ten times it doesn't work, but the tenth time it'll work. Yep. So, yeah, it looks like I do it more often than other people do, but it's just because you try. You just Let's go down this road, see what happens. Most of the time, nothing. But sometimes you just get these something that was born to happen, and it was just waiting for someone to find it. You know? The puzzle that, that uh, is often I, people talk about that I did was called the uh, uh, gridlock. And it was just... It was a 21 by 21. I made for the tournament, and it had three 21s across the middle stacked, three 21s down the middle, and it was all names of models of cars, bumper yes. to bumper. Yes. You know, as I've if they were one. as if they were stuck <clears throat> in an intersection. Because I thought, you know, in crossword puzzles, we even talk of them as intersections. We talk about letters that intersect. Sure. Why hadn't anybody in 1991, whenever I made this, done a puzzle with this idea? Not even as hairy as thick as I did it but why not just intersecting car names yeah. why hadn't anybody I just you know I think it's in the wordplay book I think that did yes, that one get reprinted be. in the yes, wordplay book be. I think that's where I did well, it well I just I just thought it might you know so I just did this puzzle and um, and the, the extra added thing in it which not a lot of people know or maybe it's mentioned in the book that there's one of what's formed by one of the three letter the th- the three 21s across the middle are the letters NAV going down and the reason that's there is because that's an overturned van and that's what's causing the gridlock oh my god they showed this was on um, 
when when <laughs> Nightline with uh, Ted Koppel? Yeah, he's been off the air now. I can't even think of his name. <laughs> when Nightline with Ted Koppel was on, and they did this little half-hour spotlight of the puzzle world, including me and Will and other people. This was that was on the that show. Was the one. Yeah. Wow, that's brilliant. Is is there something that you've been trying to get into a puzzle that you just haven't been able to get to work? I'm working on one now. That it's got to work someday. I can't tell you how it goes, but it's a. I've never seen this either. It's a. It's a puzzle one week to be continued next week, and it's a. It's called a. It's called the kindergarten crime spree, and it has to do with chalk outlines and you know it's 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 that's and it's, it's it carries over to the next week. And there's this and the and the whole point of this is the last answer on the second puzzle at the bottom. And I can't tell you what it is, but no. it, but it's 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 got a really great finish. So, but it's real tricky, and, and it's the symmetry thing. You know, David Letterman does basically this. You know, the top ten list is one category, and then ten things under it. It's, a theme is the same way. We got a title. It's just that we have to make it fit. He doesn't have to make it fit, and so and he can leave his his best one for last. That's what I would do, but. It, but the, it has to break just right. And right. for this, this is a pretty narrow theme, you know, kindergarten crime jokes, you know. You know, I think that somebody whacked the erasers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it starts, you know. And it's going to go. Anyway. Oh, man. So. Uh, and I just want to briefly talk about uh, The Simpsons. You mentioned that. Uh, sure. We're both fans. And, and we, fans. we read the story, uh, I think it was on the Wordplay blog of the about how it all came about. But could you tell us of a, of a memorable moment recording it or something that stuck out in your... Um, well, it was funny recording it because I recorded it in uh, a little studio in Tampa. There's a little studio there um, where Nancy Cartwright also does Bart's voice mm-hmm. sometimes because she's uh, a devoted Scientologist and in Clearwater across the bay from, San- from Tampa there's a gigantic Clearwater Center. I mean... They were. There's a gigantic um, uh, Scientology center. Well, Nancy Cartwright lives in L.A., where there's also another big Scientology center. And whenever I don't know why she would be on, you know, in Tampa or Clearwater. I mean, but when she's there, maybe for a month or two at a time, I'm not really sure. Um, if she has to do Bart's voice, she doesn't fly back. She does it in this little studio. It's as big as a phone booth where I where you do it. So in that same little room that she does Bart's voice, I was doing uh, my seven words. You know, but when you do it. You're in the room, you got the headphones on, and the writer is in your head because he's li- live in LA telling you how to do the line. And the first thing I put the headphones on, he says, Earl, is that you? I said, Yeah. What do you think about what do you think about Elliot Spitzer? What do you mean? Yeah, they just they just nailed him for, for paying five thousand dollars for hookers. What? I said, Yeah, they, it was just on the news, you know. I, I said, Mr. Clean? I said, yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna do a whole episode about it. I, anyway, here's your lines. Put <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you in a frame of mind. That's the first something. thing. I, what? Well, then they really weren't going to do an episode about him. But that's what he, that's what he said in my head. <laughs> but then it's so it's like um, my lines were like um, I actually wrote that crossword, and then Will says, "Yeah, but I edited it. I'll go back to making puzzles." Right. And I say, "Yes, sir." So it's a little sort of a Mr. Burns Smithers things going on. Well, that was. I mean, it's like. I actually wrote that crossword. I actually wrote that crossword. You know, whatever the ways that, you know, you have to do it like 18 times or so until it gets uh-huh. the way he wants it. Um, so, I mean, that was just fun doing. Originally, I wasn't supposed to be in it. Originally, I was supposed to just make the puzzles for it. Um, but the writers 
have a thing about other writers being in shows because very often write, they feel that the writers don't get the due that they are supposed to get and so they have great sympathy for other writers even writers of puzzles so they said we're going to have to figure out a way for you to get into the episode you know they actually called here at last year last a year ago last night and said hey Merle we, we figured out how to, what your lines are going to be it's going to be this and this and that and that and um and uh, I said, okay. He said, We've already done pencils of it and already tried it in our audiences, and they all, it's already set. So I said, great. You know. So I, now I was making the puzzles and had seven lines, seven words to say. Um, and this past summer, we were in LA actually, and and Tim Long said, why don't you come and watch us read through another episode? Ours was already in the pipeline, but I, I don't know how often they have a whole new script read through. But whenever they do, they sometimes invite people to come and listen. It's a long table. Hank Azaria is there, Harry Shearer, Nancy Cartwright, Dan Castellaneta, Yardley Smith. I mean, they're all there. They all they just read through the whole thing in real time. We met them all. It was just absolutely, we talk about a heady experience. It must have been fantastic. Harry Shearer even said, well, it's our old pal Merle Regal. And I found out <laughs> I found out the reason is because I would love it if Harry Shearer would say that to me. He could call me Merle Regal and that would be <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah. I would just love to have him say that to me. Um, well he knows I think he knows who I am because his show, Le Show, which is on a KCRW. Yeah, I've, I've listened to that a couple of times. Um, <clears throat> I think comes on right after the weekend edition. And so okay. he I think he sometimes hears Will's segment. And I and I sometimes contribute to that, like this weekend. And I'm always introduced as this week's puzzle is from our old pal Merle Regal. So I think Harry Shearer oh, has heard that. Ah, so when is. I when I was standing there and he walks around the corner, he says, "Well, it's our old pal Merle Regal." I said, "Okay, I can die now." You know. Oh. So oh, and then, wonderful. And then after you after they read the script through, the writers take the script and go in another room and for like four hours, you know, punch it up or add new jokes to it. All the all the voice people go to another room next door, which is a studio, and they they do the voice for voice voices for even another episode. They got like two or three things going at oh once. Um, anyway, that, it was just uh, yeah, what can I well, tell? Well, I you? can only imagine what it was like for you, but for me personally, to to have done the puzzle earlier in the day, then watch the episode. I'm sure people have told you this, and <laughs> see Lisa do the same puzzle that I just did was. I get very, when I get excited, I get very high-voiced, and I was running around the apartment, like, screaming like a little, and my, my wife is not really a puzzle person or a Simpsons person, but she watched it with me, and she was just as excited as I was, and it was one of the more amazing experiences of my life. I mean, it was great. Camera should have been rolling on that. Show. Absolutely. Yeah. Was, Absolutely. If only was, we had one, a yeah, camera. If only we had a camera. That, that's true. Well, thank you so much, Merle, for, for sure. taking the time. Uh, we're big, again, we're huge fans. Well, thank you very much. We're, we're huge fans. We're huge fans of the tournament, your puzzles, everything. And I thank you very much. It. Anytime, Cowboys. And we're back. No? I don't like it. We're back. All right. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Very well done. Uh, Ryan, a, you know, you host a great interview. Thank you very much. So do you as well. You know, you should consider having your own show. I think I might consider it. Your own show without a co-host? No, I think I need the co-host. So do you want to search for a co-host I now? need to search for somebody who's stupid again. I think you really... Well, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm working right. on it. Well, we'll see. That's why we're delaying season two. We are. We're still on the hunt for a proper co-host for Ryan, because I'm really on to bigger and better things. You really are. No, I'm not. So, uh, season next week... Next week, uh, compilation show. It's going to be... Uh, 
Well, not really. But no. By saying that, you yeah, you're, it makes it sound like it's going to be highlights from past episodes. It's not going to be because that's not we it. We weren't able to find any. No, there are no highlights. Uh, we have no past episodes. In fact, they've all been erased. It's going to be a compilation of interviews we did at the ACPT that don't really pertain to the tournament. Right. We talked to a number of people, including uh, John Delphin, uh, John Delphin, Kevin G. Durr, Caleb Madison, Caleb Madison, of course, uh, uh, the, Jim the, Horn, yes. Stephen Edwards, Stephen Grant. What did I say? Stephen Edwards. <laughs> Who was Stephen Edwards? Stephen Edwards. Stephen Grant. Who was Stephen Edwards? So we have a number of Stephen people. Stephen Grimaldi Grant. That's exactly right. <laughs> Stephen uh, Pizza Hut Edwards. <laughs> He's the lesser pizza aficionado. Uh, is that what it is? I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> is this going better for you now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that that uh, that will be next week. Next week. Look for that. Enjoy it, uh, and 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 we'll look forward to seeing you uh, for season two, the week after. Yes. The week after that doesn't sound very exciting. The week after. That sounds much better. <laughs>